Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I am your host, Josh Cox. This podcast is brought to you today by our friends at Comfort Mechanical Contractors. They are the Triangle's premier commercial HVAC installation and service company. You can visit Comfort mc.com for more information but like i said i'm your host josh cox i'm here as always with jamie holt scott medlin we are missing our guy brian kennedy who usually does these opens uh we're missing brian brian is on a boat brian is out of the country he is at sea he's at sea on a cruise and so we brought in uh tonight one of our good friends uh freddie hodges uh freddie man real quick just introduce yourself and tell people like what you do and where they can find your work, man. All right. Hey guys, first I want to say thanks for having me. Uh, love the pod, listen to it every week, whether it's with my mowing business, whether it's when I get a break and your, your pod every week, it gets me hyped and ready for the football games. Um, I'm Freddie Hodges. I'm with Duke report. I've been working um, game Duke football games since about 2013 for Duke Report, as well as Duke basketball games. So going on about 10 years. Um, football, I try to get down three to four games a year. I do live in Virginia, so it is a little bit of a drive and everything. But I've been doing um, sports media for about 10 years. Uh, on Twitter, it's at Duke Report, as well as my own Twitter at Skilo22. Awesome. We appreciate Freddie coming on. Brian has been doing a segment uh, on Freddie's blog where they have been doing the way – way too early bowl predictions for duke football and so i believe they don't you release one of those weekly freddie is that right yeah we we release it weekly and i love it man i think brian and i had the same kind of mindset um i'm a scheduler man where i run a business i'm just i'm constantly looking ahead and um it's whether it's hiking mowing whatever and teaching And, and so i think we our minds came together on that and um we do the bowl projections and Man, I wish it was a full-time job. I love it. It's like yeah. the weather. You predict it. You can be right or wrong. That's right. New week. <laughs> but it's fun, right? It's fun. Oh, it's well, awesome. listen. It's a good time. Yeah, listen, Duke came off of a big win this past week. Uh, went up to UConn. Uh, weather wasn't great, but not as bad as what it could have been. In fact, I believe Duke was planning on it to be a little bit worse than it was. Uh, Duke comes out the 41-7 victors to go 4-0 so far in the season. Uh, we have a big game to look ahead to for sure. But before we do that, let's hear from head coach Mike Elko after Duke's win at UConn. Yeah, obviously what I told the guys in the locker room, you know, proud of the way we came here and handled our business. Uh, I thought we played a mature game. Um, you know, we're not naive to, to all the talk and all the buzz that's out there right now. And I thought we stayed focused uh, and handled the task at hand the way we needed to. I thought we did that the last three weeks, uh, to be honest. And so uh, it was great to go out there and, and get a job done, uh, to get an early lead, to get out in front at halftime, um, and then to kind of be able to put that thing away so that we could rest a lot of our players in the fourth quarter and get a lot of guys some opportunities again, because those opportunities in this early part of the season are critical because, you know, at some point those guys are going to get on the field and need to help win us a football game. Uh, really happy with how we played defense today. Obviously, I thought we played a, one of our best defensive performances of, of my tenure here. I thought we were suffocating. I thought we leveraged the football really well. I thought we kind of took away the throw game. Uh, we were much improved on third down, which was obviously an emphasis coming off of last week. We were able to get some pressure. We were able to get some sacks. Uh, and I thought we did the things that we needed to do. Um, you know, offensively, you know, I, I thought we kind of were 
you know, a little bit sluggish in the run game, uh, which we knew was going to be our challenge. You know, we knew they had a really talented front six. Uh, I wish we would have rose to that challenge a little bit better than we did. But, you know, we also knew that we were going to have to be able to execute in the passing game. And I thought we did that at a really high level. And then, you know, we were able to finish some drives early for touchdowns. And I think that was was a critical turning point. And so continue to do good things on special teams. Um, you know, obviously, I thought it was a great job by Todd Polino making those first two field goals. The third one was a real challenge because the wind started whipping up on them. Um, you know, Porter continues to punt the football at a really, really high level. Um, and so I think we're doing the things that we need to do to win football games. And so now it's uh, obviously turning the page and, and kind of get into the meat of this season uh, with a big challenge next week that obviously we're going to have to meet head on. So from there, I'll open it up to questions. And that was head coach Mike Elko uh, brought to you by Durham Devils Club. Dot com. This is the Duke NIL arm. We want to thank them so much for all they're doing to help the Duke student athletes. If you're interested in being a part of that, head to DurhamDevilsClub.com. If you want to get some behind the scenes access, some hour long interviews with players like Graham Barton, Dwayne Carter, Riley Leonard, uh, we've got some coordinator calls coming up soon. You can do that at the $25 or above level. But I've talked enough, guys. Duke is 4 and 0. Listen, what are we thinking? Scott, Jamie, we'll let you guys chime in here. What are we thinking? Duke comes out of Hartford, Connecticut, East Hartford, Connecticut, a 41-7 winner, and how are we feeling? Look, I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, we went up there and did what, what we thought we should do. I think all of us projected blowout wins up there in Connecticut, and Duke went up there and took care of business. Uh, it was in a different way than what we thought because I think – we thought that we were going to run all over them and run for 200 yards plus. It didn't turn out that way. It seemed like maybe Connecticut kind of sold out to to stop that run to and opened up some of that intermediate passing game that we saw from Riley Leonard and saw a nice, really nice game from Jordan Moore and Jalen Calhoun. Uh, just receivers getting involved. Nikki Nikki Domalin getting involved. Uh, the the intermediate passing game was was elite. And they were able to just move the ball that way instead of running the ball, even though Jordan Waters still got, what, two more touchdowns. So <laughs> to add to his total, he's already got seven on the year, which is crazy. Yeah, and unfortunately, every time Jordan Waters scores, Brian reminds us that he picked Jordan Waters and puts a stake on our group text. So, yeah, really not fun. Now, as far as this, getting the emoji from Brian is not fun. Seeing Jordan Waters score is a lot of fun. Uh, man, like like Jamie said, the fact that Duke had to uh, change the approach just a little bit worked out well for Duke. It did help that uh, early in the game, their best linebacker got called for the targeting that didn't get called for targeting, that called for targeting, that Charlotte called and said, let's do this. And then I think the president may have called and made an official something here or there. Then about 30 minutes later, the ACC official, old Jerry, decided that it was a targeting foul. So typical ACC takes 30 minutes to do the simple process, as you can see, in about 10 seconds. But other than that, you know, Duke did what they were supposed to do. Uh, defense was great. Honestly, Jamie screwed it up for me when he mentioned that they had not given up a touchdown. It looked like they weren't going to because I'm the only one to pick the side bet that we would give up zero points in one game. So, thank you, Jamie. But honestly, though, the defense was really good. And, you know, this is one of the many things that we've talked about so far in the four wins. 
the opportunity for these younger guys to get in there in the third and fourth quarter. And, you know, Coach mentioned it. Um, we'll probably get to this in a little bit. But Coach mentioned in today's press conference that it's good for these guys to get a chance to play because you never know. And since Elko's, Coach Elko's been here, we've said it nonstop to nauseam. Next man up mentality. If somebody's out, somebody steps in. And it was nice. You know, the defense played really well without Miles Jones playing. And that was something we really didn't know about until the game started. So, you know, just another opportunity to learn. Um, Riley got banged up a little bit on his throwing hand. Um, it wasn't his thumb. There's CBS Sports, just so you know, it was his pinky. Because that's what this is. That's a pinky. So they had it out there, and they were wrapping that, not the thumb. Okay, anyway. Um, thank God we're not back on that network anymore either. So, but, you know, just another big win for Duke. Another opportunity to get better, get stronger. Uh, another chance for Riley to display his arm. And looking forward to this weekend where, you know, that, that tiny game is going to happen sometime on Saturday. And that was my that was my one gripe about Saturday was the CBS Sports Network. Those announcers were the worst I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, they sounded like they should be calling a high school football game. It was awful. I would have rather been playing on the CW. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Look at Jamie. Freddie, <laughs> Freddie, any thoughts from you uh, from watching that game on Saturday? All right, guys. Not going to lie. I was hiking in western North Carolina hey. in the Smoky Mountains. Um, um, doing a hiking challenge with the wife. But um, funny thing, real quick, 6,000 feet elevation, not much reception. Um, I turned the phone off because I was using the GPS. I turned it on around 6,000 feet. I get a uh, the CBS update or something, 7-0. I'm like, whoa, that's a pretty close game. But that was at the beginning of the game. I lost. I wasn't looking at the time. And then I get a text message from my mom telling me the 41-7 score or whatever, and I'm like, all right. I'm like, I'm surprised I got reception up here. But um, I have not seen the game yet, but I went through the notables and looked at um, just on paper what I've seen so far. So I'm going to watch the game this week. But what I'm impressed with, uh, I just want to hit up on five things, and it's Duke begins a year four consecutive twenty plus point wins. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know this, but it's the first time in program history. Um, another notable that was there: uh, Duke has won the turnover battle in five consecutive games, and are ten and two when doing so under Coach Mike Elko. So you know, keep this momentum going for uh, Notre Dame. Uh, another thing: when I was just reading through the notables, uh, Duke held UConn to two hundred three yards total offense making it the third consecutive game in which the Blue Devils held opponent to under um, 300 yards. Mm -hmm. And um, the one that impressed me the most, and I haven't, like I said, I'm going to rewatch hopefully the game tomorrow, Duke held UConn to 32 yards of offense and just four first downs in the first half alone. So yep. I'm hoping on Wednesday, I think it's my evening, I'm going to um, excited to see it. And then Riley Leonard's second straight game of 200-plus passing yards. Um Impressive yeah. performance. So, Freddie, what you're going to see when you watch the game back is uh, 32 yards in the first half and then one major big, like, what, 70-yard run, Scott? Well, Jamie, wasn't it like 70 yards? So, I mean, out of those 202 or whatever it was, 70 of them was on one play. Um, oh, and so, okay. yes, yeah, so that was a big chunk. And then uh, uh, Freddie mentioned Riley Leonard. Uh, he was 23 of 34 in this game, 248 yards passing. Uh, one passing touchdown, and then he ran another four times for 30 yards uh, with another rushing touchdown there. And so 
Riley Leonard continues to just be Riley Leonard, right? He just continues uh, to show people that he is an elite quarterback. Uh, you know, Duke in these last three games, as I believe Scott mentioned, um, really has the second half has been able to take the air out of the ball, um, has been able to play a lot of guys, not just in their two deep, as Coach Elko mentioned in his presser, but also even down in the, the three deep. Some of these true freshmen, they're able to play these guys that they're redshirting because they get that four game uh, buffer there. So they're able to play some guys they plan on redshirting and uh, these games. And so at the end of the day, you know, Riley may not be throwing for four touchdowns a game, but it's because Duke is absolutely manhandling their opponents. I mean, you look back at the last three games and it's been Duke's not even played perfect football in, by any stretch of the imagination. And none of these games have been close. And, you know, going into each of these games, we were like, except for Lafayette, but the last two Northwestern and UConn, we were kind of like, hey, we're not really sure. Like, we need to make sure we show up. You know, UConn, especially being a road game, they played NC State pretty well in week one. You know, what what team is going to show up there? And, man, we, we really uh, took it to them early, put our foot on the gas pedal, and then didn't let off in the second half. What about some players, guys? Anybody uh, stick out to you as you think through the, the performance? I want to give a couple. Uh, first was Samir Hagens. I loved the fact that it looked like Riley got him going in the offense early, and we know that there's a three-headed monster there at wide receiver. So I want to give him a shout-out. Uh, slash Nicky Damalin, another uh, a good game from him, got more targets. But then my second shout-out, really, my true second shout-out, because, you know, we've been a little – um, not not critical by any stretch, but it's been a, an area of struggle a little bit this year. I thought Jalen Calhoun on the punt returns uh, in this UConn game, he was very strong. He was very decisive. He had a couple of different returns that were that you would say were substantial returns. And so, those are a couple of guys that stood out to me. Anybody from you guys, Scott? I would say Aeneas Peoples. I mean, that he got shot out of a cannon a couple times and got in the backfield. And I tell you, you know. That's a name that a lot of people nationally have not heard of him. We've seen what he's done in four games. We've seen what he's done in his career. But it's good to see that it's a different D lineman or whatever, you know, because Ryan Smith had another good game. And then my favorite moment of the day, obviously, because he's my guy, Big Wayne, the campaign, picking up that fumble and rumbling and stumbling that long 25 yards looking like a running back, which nod, nod, wink, wink. Coach Elko, if we ever need a fake, we got the up guy to give the football to that knows how to carry the rock, baby. That thick six. That's right. That's right. Shout out to the social media team. Yeah, that, that was uh, great. Not only thick six, but flag planted, knowing that Cooper flag was supposed to be at the game. Rumor has it he was there at the end of the game. And so not that we care at all about basketball, but – uh, Cooper flag was there being <clears throat> courted by UConn for some reason, they decided to bring him to the blowout football game. Uh, I think it would have been hilarious if Sunday morning he would have committed to Duke after being on campus there uh, to watch the football game. But, uh, but anyway, well, listen, um, any other thoughts about this UConn game before we kind of turn the page? Yeah. A Daniel? player, uh, just a player that stood out to me was Jordan Moore. I mean, over 80 yards receiving, Eight catches, 10 yards a catch, had the nice touchdown from Riley Leonard. He just had a great game, and he continues to just settle into that role as as a top-notch receiver in the ACC and in the country. 
to to me it's another you know we're, we've already kind of had the back discussion it's another week where it's hard to pick a guy for your helmet sticker because there was yep. just so many guys Ooh. so that which is a great problem to have don't get me wrong Spoiler. i would much rather be sitting over here trying to figure out any meeny miny mo instead of man who was one that didn't stink so that's a nice go. advantage we have this season here spoiler go, spoiler yeah. alert i did not go with riley leonard you know, I did not go with Riley Leonard. <laughs> the restraining order has been taken back 10 feet. That's right. So hey, at the end of the day, Jamie can't a, just copy and paste, you know. As a guy that listens to the pod, man, you didn't go with Leonard. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm shot. <laughs> <laughs> we all are, Freddie. We all yeah, are. We yeah, all are. Yeah. Well, Take listen, so, so Duke is, Duke is 4-0, and uh, as we said. And, and, and listen, with all due respect to Clemson, who's 0-2 in the ACC, um, with all due respect to Clemson, um, this Duke team is 4-0. And, I mean, as Freddie mentioned, all the games have been over 20 points. And uh, no game has been in doubt uh, in the fourth quarter. And so, really remarkable. Really remarkable. Um, but we know this. We know that this fifth game, as we pointed out in our in our preseason episodes, that really, you know, you want to break the season down into three sets of four games. But because of the way this fifth weekend works in September, the bye week is coming in week six. Really, you lump this Notre Dame game in with these first four. And so, you know, I, I remember—I believe it was Connor O'Neill on Duke Rivals who his optimistic approach was Duke was four and one coming out of these first five. Uh, I believe that the most optimistic Duke fan that we know, Jordan Mann, uh, had Duke uh, coming out of this four and one. So if Duke comes out of this five and O, oh, um, you know, I, I don't know anyone, uh, with like credible media experience at all that really had Duke five and O. Oh. And so if Duke can win this game on Saturday, it'll be pretty epic, but we did, uh, have a very special guest. This is probably the most special guest so far. Uh, it rivals Eric McLean. Uh, but, um, uh, but this is, uh, one of a uh, really cool opportunity we had, we brought on uh, our friend now, friend of the pod, Brady Quinn, former quarterback uh, from Notre Dame, and Jamie Scott and myself were able to sit down with him and talk a little bit about the game coming up this Saturday. And we're joined now uh, with former Notre Dame quarterback, Brady Quinn. And uh, Brady, man, we really appreciate you coming on uh, to the Section 17 podcast today, man. Yeah, Josh, Jamie, uh, Scott, appreciate you guys having me on. Obviously, a pleasure to be on. Big one coming up this week. You got ESPN game day going to be down there for it. So uh, they're following Notre Dame in back-to-back weeks. Should be in prime time. Should be a lot of fun this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we can't we can't introduce Brady Quinn without saying he was the quarterback at Notre Dame from 2003 to 2006, in case you didn't know. Uh, he's responsible for 101 career touchdowns. That's both throwing and running. And then nearly 12,000 career passing yards drafted 22nd overall in the 2007 NFL draft. He was the 2006 Maxwell award winner, man. Are we missing anything else? Ready? You're the most handsome man on this podcast. We know that for sure. So. I, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And, and, and I, I was around uh, Chad Clunder, who I believe yep. is the director of what football ops. Is that his title? Yeah, now? He, he's the chief of staff, I believe. So yeah. I was with Chad back when he was a GA. And so back in those days, the GAs would get out there for like the early morning workouts, like 6 a.m. And uh, we used to have a strength coach by the name of Mickey Marotti, who's not Ohio State. 
and he had these things called mat drills. And the GAs, him and a guy by the name of DJ Durkin, who's still coaching, he's the DC yeah. now down at uh, Texas m they were out there getting after us. Uh, and I remember just as freshmen coming in. So uh, Chad and I go way back. Uh, obviously, we, I've uh, watched the Duke football program over the past couple of years continue to build under Coach Elko, have a lot of respect for him. He's one of the best defensive minds, best coaches in it. Uh, and so when they had reached out about coming on with you guys, I was like, of course, you know, obviously uh, Chad and I go way back. So I, I owe him a, oh, I owe him a lot for how he took care of me, especially when I was a, a young pup there at Notre Dame. Yeah, man, for sure. For sure. Well, speaking to that, you know, you're, you've, what, what's taking place, you know, uh, you had your uh, NFL career uh, the last in a few years. So tell us a little bit about what are you up to now, man? What's, where can we find you and what are you, what are you doing on a, on a weekly basis? Yeah, so I played about eight years, went into my eighth year with the uh, Miami Dolphins in a uh, training camp uh, after having a back injury, I had back surgery. So I uh, didn't really work out there, immediately got released and then jumped into a broadcast booth the following week. I uh, had a deal set up with Fox Sports to call college football and NFL games, uh, not something that I really prepared for out of college. I was a poli-sci and, and finance major, so kind of kind of saw life like either I was going to hit it, play football and be a Hall of Famer, and then I was going to figure out something after that. When I was like 40, 45, uh, or it wasn't going to work out at all. And I was just going to segue into the business world or into law school and uh, and go that direction. No one really re- prepares for like what's in between. And so uh, I got some advice from uh, Jeff Fisher back when I was with the uh, St. Louis Rams at the time when I had the back surgery and he had maybe encouraged me to look into broadcasting. So I did and, uh, you know, got some opportunities, started to run with it and then really haven't looked back. So I've been working for Fox Sports uh, on their broadcasting and cable platform since uh, 2014, uh, I started working for CBS Sports and their digital platform, CBS Sports HQ, in 2015. And uh, then I've been doing radio for SiriusXM, their NFL channel, for a minute, but now Fox Sports Radio on a national show now for two years, uh, Monday through Friday. So pretty busy schedule, but it, it's it's not really working when you're talking about sports every day. Yeah, no, I get that completely. And you've got a website too, man. I, I was looking up some of that. You want to explain a little bit about, but is it a foundation that you have? Yeah, um, yeah, I well? appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. So uh, Third and Goal Foundation, uh, obviously, uh, it, we, help, we help support veterans, but the name kind of comes from, I had like every single New England Patriots assistant that left Belichick for a period of time. I mean, Charlie Weiss in college, Romeo Cornell drafted me. I got traded to Josh McDaniels, had Eric Mangini in there somewhere. So I had all these guys and uh, one of the things about the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick, what makes them so successful is just their situational football. And they would always talk about third and goal being one of those crucial plays that happens throughout all four quarters that largely dictates the outcome of games depending on you know the execution. And so uh, my father had served uh, in, in Vietnam as a Marine. My grandfather had served in World War II uh, in, in the Army. So I, I've always wanted to give back. You know, I always thought if I hadn't had sports, I probably would have ended up serving in some capacity. And so while I was playing in the NFL, I started a foundation called the Third and Goal Foundation to help support uh, wounded veterans. We started off initially by uh, remodeling homes to make them handicap accessible. Since then, we've built on educational platforms at Notre Dame, Ohio State, University of Cincinnati to help a lot of those student veterans coming back and finishing their degree and, and getting gainfully employed. Uh, and then the last thing is Operation Joy. You know, we try to just uh, support you know student veterans and veterans in whatever way we can. Uh, and so those are really the three pillars that we've got. And it's been running for about 13 years now. So it's, uh, I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about it. Man, that's awesome, Brady. Uh, so looking at your career specifically, you went through a coaching change between your sophomore and junior year. Yeah. Uh, many of these Duke players have experienced the same thing. Uh, what was it like to have an overhaul like that halfway through your career? 
Yeah, man. I mean, it, it couldn't have been any more drastic of a difference between Tyron Willingham, who I went to play for, and Charlie Weiss, just in the way they communicated, leadership styles, uh, the type of kind of you know people they were and where they come from, their backgrounds. So, and I'm sure Chad could uh, could elaborate on this too. I mean, it's it was it was probably shocking for a lot of guys. And I think the difference you know from then to now is you didn't have an avenue of the transfer portal. You did, but you were losing your year of eligibility. And granted, I had a redshirt year, but I never really, when I decided to go to Notre Dame, I'm sure this is similar to a lot of players who go to Duke. You know, you go there for the entire package. You go there for the sports. You go there for the the academic degree, the education, and then everything that's going to happen down the road for you as well, you know, with being a part of it. So um, I really didn't contemplate leaving. I was just more curious, like, who would be the coach? And so when Coach Weiss got in there, for me personally, it was awesome, right? He just came off his third Super Bowl with the New England Patriots as the play caller. First playbook I ever got was the same playbook Tom Brady was rolling with. So it was uh, it was quite the undertaking. It was almost like taking an additional course that spring of my uh, my junior year, or excuse me, sophomore year going into junior year. But it was, uh, you know, you're, you're, in, the, you're in, the, in the situation where you really just had to buy in. Like you couldn't question anything. You had to believe in everything that the coach was preaching. And I think the funny thing about that is for most of us, like unless you just have blind faith, you got to see like results. You got to see something come from that. And so like where I see the similarities between like my experience and, and where Duke's at now is, you know, that first year Coach Elko comes in, you, you go nine to four, right? You win nine games. First Duke football head coach ever to do that. You know, you look at the four losses. I mean, they're all by one score by eight points. You know, like they're all tight losses. Like it's not even like they're getting blown out. And so when you have a season like that, all those older guys who were there who went to go play for Coach Cutcliffe, who was actually with Coach Weiss's staff, ironically, that was uh, some, he had a heart condition, so he couldn't actually coach us, which was a shame. So I love Coach Cutcliffe. But, um, you know, when you go from one to the, other, to the other, you know, there's that element of like, do I really believe in what I'm doing right now? Once you see the results, that's when you get the buy-in. And, and I really feel like the foundation last year was laid by Coach Elko and this team. And then now you see what's happening this next year. And that was kind of how it was for us too, my last two years with Coach Weiss and how it kind of worked out. We'll say obviously let's last Saturday, uh, Notre Dame losing there to um, Ohio State left a bad taste in their mouth. What is the overall feeling uh, from Notre Dame's side as they come prepared to play in Durham this weekend? Honestly, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of guys who are angry. You know, they're frustrated because they they felt like they outplayed Ohio State. They just didn't execute some of those final moments. Uh, there are some points in time throughout the game where they could have taken the game, could have won the game, uh, or, or the outcome could have ended up being a little bit different as far as how it would have played out too. So there's a lot of guys who are ticked off, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, there's – fortunately, there's a strong nucleus and leadership within that locker room. And that's one where, like, obviously you got a six-year quarterback and, and Sam Hartman, who I know the ACC is very well aware of, uh, given his prolific career there, uh, you know he's the type of guy that steps up and says, we, "This th- this thing isn't going to stop. Like we got to keep we got to keep this thing rolling." So I think they're pretty ticked off. They're frustrated and they expected to win that game. Didn't work out that way. And uh, and really for them, there's no margin of error moving forward, right? Especially we can't you don't play in a conference for a conference championship. You can't afford to drop another one. And with their schedule, you know, coming in to have to play Duke on the road and then USC and then you know eventually uh, Louisville on the road. That's now it's another primetime game and Clemson later on. Uh, it, it's a gauntlet, you know, it really is a gauntlet for them. So they can't, you know, really lick their wounds right now. They have to turn around and, and get ready for a really good Duke team. Yeah. Uh, looking a little bit broader, their second year for Marcus Freeman, uh, ironically played Ohio state last year and this year, but thinking back in these last, I guess, 12 months or so, 
what are some of the things that he's implemented maybe behind the scenes or maybe staff movement that has taken place that's really got him in a, in a better spot in year two even than he was in year one? Yeah, so I think the crazy thing was that, you know, I don't know how much of a national story it ends up being, but there was so much turnover after the season not a lot of people see. You know, when you, you know, look at the fact that your offensive coordinator left to go to Alabama, your special teams coordinator left to go to the NFL, your offensive line coach retired, your head strength coach retired right for the season. I mean, those are some huge positions you've got to fill. And so, you know, after going through a bunch of different candidates, I think they felt like with the combination of Gino Godelli at the quarterback coach, who got some play calling experience during his time at Cincinnati and, and played quarterbacks, who gets it. Joe Rudolph, who's got play calling experience for his time at Wisconsin, now is the O-line coach. I think they felt like those two combined with Jared Parker, their tight ends coach, made kind of the best combination uh, for putting together a game plan each week uh, offensively. Uh, obviously ended up finding a familiar face with the special teams coordinator down from Ole Miss. So, you know, they were able to, to be able to, you know, put together a staff. Um, I wouldn't say relatively quick, but, you know, with, with the right guys that I fit what Coach Freeman's looking at doing with the team that he has. And that's not something that I think a lot of guys after your first season, you win nine games, you're not saying, okay, now, now I've got to replace almost, you know, four, four of my most important coaches on my staff. Uh, so that's a pretty heavy, heavy undertaking. And, and then you had to go find a quarterback. Um, and, and they found Sam Hartman, but you lose one of the guys as far as in the back of your room and Tyler Buckner goes down to Alabama, who at least had some experience compared to the other two backups. So um, a, a lot of um, turnover, I'd say, to, to a degree in the offseason that I thought, thought, you know, Coach Freeman and obviously the staff, everyone's, you know, handled relatively well. I know we talked about your uh, work, work and everything now with broadcasting, but will you be able to make the trip to Durham this Saturday? No, I wish I could. Um, we'll actually be out in Boulder, um, which we've already been there a, a few times this season, following the story there with Deion Sanders as, as their head coach. And Wait, we, we, know, we hadn't heard anything about – we've not heard anything about Colorado or Deion Sanders. What, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> exactly. Trust me. I, I, I'll be looking at real estate out there because I'm not sure how many more times we'll be out there this year. So we were joking about it after like the first – you know, the first week we were in Fort Worth, but it was still a Colorado game. And obviously a great game, you know, upset – then they beat Nebraska at home. You're like, okay, like the momentum's building. They should beat Colorado State. That ends up being a thriller. And then obviously last week, you know, some of their their weaknesses really got exploited by Oregon. And then this week you're taking on a USC team that can put up a ton of points. So we'll, we'll see where things stand after this. But uh, we will be in Boulder, Colorado. And then I actually have to call an NFL game. Ironically, I'll, I'll be in the vicinity of where you guys will be, but that won't be till late Saturday night because I'm calling uh, Minnesota Vikings versus, versus the uh, Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Very nice. So can you speak to the excitement that uh, Duke will have Saturday with the game day experience being there? I mean, look, obviously with with Fox, with what I do, we're a direct competitor. Right. Uh, and so, you know, but I get it. Like there's excitement when we show up anywhere uh, for a game. You see how excited the fans are, not only for the atmosphere and everything else out around it, but it, it really just, that's what makes college football great. You know, I know they're tailgating and whatnot in the NFL, but it's not like an all-day affair, an all-day event. and You don't have the same kind of spirit like you do for uh, your alma mater or like you do for your favorite college team. Something about it is just different. And so that place is going to be electric. And obviously the tailgate's a night game. The tailgate's going to start early. The only thing you, you got to tell all your fans is make sure they hydrate enough to make sure they're still rowdy after an early morning to be able to make it to primetime. When we were out in Boulder – and uh, game day was out there as well. I mean, we both had huge crowds. And I was looking at some of these kids at the end of the show. I'm like, they're not making it. Like, they're yeah. not going to make it to a 7 o'clock local kick. And we were we were already off the air, I think, by it was uh, 
I think it was, we were off the air by like 10 a.m. Uh, mountain time. So uh, good luck to, to all the students out there. Make sure you start hydrating now. Well, uh, the Clemson game for us on Labor Day didn't start till eight, and Scott here, he didn't make it. He uh, he, he got a little uh, heat exhaustion, and he was like, had to take some time in the medical tent. So we, uh, it was, yeah, it was heat exhaustion. we've been picking on him ever since. Well, actually, see, so here's the deal. It was heat exhaustion. Oh, no alcohol from, involved in that? No, nothing? None at all. No, no, I drank water all day, and I should have drank something else. But as, as the hour or so went on that I was in there, I got air conditioned, I got cooled down, I was sitting in my seat by time for kickoff. Okay. Just for the record, everybody should know that by now. But I was sitting in my seat yep. by these guys cheering us on as we beat Clemson that night. For the record, also, yeah, you guys <laughs> handled Clemson. You didn't. Be, I mean, you legitimately yeah. beat Clemson. Could have been. Could have been a shutout for sure. Uh, for sure. We'll we'll transition a little bit more to to the game uh, this Saturday. And once again, Brady, thanks for for being on the Section Seventeen podcast. But uh, thinking about this Saturday's matchup uh, in Durham at Wallace Wade Stadium as Notre Dame comes to town. Um, how does a team stop the rushing attack that Notre Dame brings to the table? I mean, Audrick Estime with 591 yards, five touchdowns so far. He's averaging 7.7 yards per carry, which yeah. is, like, insane. How does a team like Duke or how does any team really game plan for something like that? You know, it's tough. I think, you know, Estime is really the headliner because of his productivity. But, I mean, even this past week, you saw kind of some of the younger players. Dude, Jeremiah Love is a freshman, uh, number 12. You'll see him. He's got like, extreme speed. So they've got a stable of backs. Um, you know, I, I think you rely on guys, um, you know, like a Dwayne Carter, you know, who is an all ACC player last year. He's, you know, to me, kind of like the anchor interior defensive line on your defense. Those guys have to get penetration. They have to stop a big back like that before he gets started. That's the case. I don't care if you're talking about Derrick Henry. Back in the day, we used to always say that about like Jamal Lewis. Then I, I played with Jamal, so it was a little different. Now you're like, how do we get this guy started? When you've got a 230, 235-pound back who – when he gets in the second level, like those DBs don't want anything uh, to do with a lot of that abuse. Like you got to figure out a way of stopping him before he gets a full head of steam. And so it's, it's going to be pivotal for the front seven. And in particular, the interior defensive lineman to not be pushed around and try to find ways of getting penetration. That's usually where it stops. Um, you know, look, coach Elko is one of the best defensive minds in the game. So he's got a much better idea and game plan than I'm going to have. Uh, I, I think, you know, the, the one thing that concerns you is when you've got a quarterback like Sam Hartman, though, is devoting too much time and attention to stopping the run because you've got a guy who can spit the football out to some of the playmakers. And it doesn't matter if it's, you know, Jaden Thomas, uh, who's a big body target on the outside. They've got a couple of wide, freshman wide receivers, Rico Flores, who came up with a big catch in this past week's game. Jaden Greathouse has been great all year for them. Chris Tyree has been a, a big time playmaker in the slot for Notre Dame. So all those guys have a lot of speed and they're hard to cover in open space. And then they've got three different tight ends that are rotating and can all make catches and make plays. So that's, that's really the fine line is, is can you win early downs to put uh, Notre Dame in more predictable third and longs where they have to throw, and then you can try to have blitz or pressure. Uh, but, you know, to sell on stopping the run, you got to be careful about the big plays, you know, ask NC state, you know, that was kind of what hurt them really. I mean, overall with the exception of about five, six plays, they, they did really well defensively versus Notre Dame. But unfortunately, those five or six plays, like three or three of them, three, I think three of them went up one for touchdowns and ends up being the difference in the game. Speaking of that uh, loaded Notre Dame roster, because they're absolutely loaded, uh, what, what's an under the radar player that Duke fans should be aware of for Saturday night? Um, man, I always like talking about the trenches. You know, like, like I mentioned Dwayne Carter because he's an Ohio kid, right? He's from Pickerton, Ohio. They are actually they've they've gotten really good as far as high school football goes. So I always got to talk about my Ohio guys because that's where I'm from. Um, 
Man, I would say like one guy who kind of flies under the radar, doesn't get talked out of much, is probably Riley Mills. He's their D tackle, uh, big number 99. He's one of the more impactful players, at least as far as kind of anchoring everything up front and kind of creating a mess. And uh, not saying that Duke can't throw the football. I think we'd all agree, though, they're not the most prolific passing offense. It's more about, you know, stopping the ground attack, Riley Leonard being a part of that. And so he's going to be a big key there, uh, kind of anchoring more of the interior of the defensive front uh, for Notre Dame. But uh, that's a name to keep an eye on for sure. I think the, their entire linebacking core, whether it's uh, Maris Lufau, uh, J.D. Bertrand, J- Jalen Sneed had a really good game this past week too. He's been you know slowly stepping up too. Um, you know, Kaiser, like all, the entire linebacking core obviously is going to be huge uh, for Notre Dame defensively in order to stop Duke's rushing attack. So what would you say, if there is one, what has been the biggest weakness so far for Notre Dame? Um, Man, it's tough. I, I really – it's it's hard to really like like point at one thing in particular because they've been great running the football defensively they've been pretty sound the whole time. Um, Sam Hartman's taking care of the football. I mean, look, you missed a field goal last week. I mean, maybe that's something you kind of you point to. I, I don't know that there's a there's been a huge advantage from a special team standpoint. You know, maybe that's something that you go back to last year. I think Notre Dame blocked like seven kicks or something ridiculous. So I, I think I guess if you're holding last year as the standard. That's probably the thing that sticks out a little bit is you're not getting quite as big of plays from the special teams right now, which, again, I don't know that anyone does expect to get as many block kicks as they did. Uh, but but that's probably the, the biggest difference is, like, when the special teams come on the field, you weren't, like, getting up to go grab another beer or go, like, switch the channel or whatever to go to the bathroom. You're like, all right, let's see if they block this one. I mean, it became, like, a thing by the end of the season. One of, one of the things watching the game Saturday night was just their speed overall. They're just lightning quick, and they—I mean—a back's coming, a receiver catches a football, they're right there. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's just like, like instantaneous. And, and that's honestly like I, I said this on our pregame show on Fox. You know, th- this is the like the most talented Notre Dame team that I've seen at least in my lifetime that I can recollect. Right? Like I don't remember the '88 championship team really. You know, you could probably talk about some of those '90s teams too, under Holtz, that were extremely talented too. But from my time playing and thinking about our roster and previous rosters, whether it's on our, you know, Charlie Weiss or Brian Kelly, this is a group of like all these kids. They're, I mean, especially in the secondary, they're long, they have speed, they have good coverage skills. They're all going to have, you know, opportunity to play on Sundays. Uh, it's just, it, it's different. Like it's, uh, it, it's, it's a credit to Marcus Freeman. It's a credit to the group has done a good job recruiting kind of what needs to, you know, what they need to have but also their development in the weight room. And that's why, like, going back to that strength coach conversation that they lost, obviously, uh, before the season, like, that's going to be a big hire in the offseason for them. You know, that's not a position that they filled before the season. So we'll see what happens there. But it's they are as at the skill position as deep and as talented as, as I can recall in a long time. And, uh, and that's why I feel like last week's game, when you go back and watch that, they matched up. They eliminated Marvin Harrison again. That's two years in a row. Emeka Book had a good game. Uh, had some nice catches, but Notre Dame probably is looking back at the tape saying, man, there's a couple opportunities there that we had that we didn't make. And if we do, like none of this is, you know, we're not talking about Notre Dame coming off a loss right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, last question, uh, Brady, for you. Obviously, um, not many weaknesses on this Notre Dame team. Uh, this Duke team playing with with confidence coming off that 9-4 season, coming off the, the Clemson victory and then three – you know, blowouts really uh, of non-conference play. Uh, if Duke is to beat Notre Dame this Saturday, it's because of what? 
Um, gosh, there's probably three or four things that I'd point to. You know, this is the, like the number one scoring defense right now in the ACC, and in part because they're so good in the red zone defense, and that's like a calling card of, of Coach Elko. But the other thing is they don't give up big plays. I want to say like you get the fewest right now maybe in the ACC, uh, probably fewest or tops in the country in regards to 20-plus yard plays. And then turnovers. Like that's ultimately going to always be the fact. You go back to that Clemson game too, and that big win, you know, number of turnovers, the way they were able to get stops in the red zone, that's always going to be the case, you know, especially, you know, considering how the season's gone for them so far. But, you know, if they can continue to, to be able to run the football, control the line of scrimmage, and stop Notre Dame's rushing attack, like I think that combination of things is how Duke ends up finding a win. Awesome. Well, Brady, I, I know I speak for the rest of the guys and Brian on vacation, but we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. One more time, tell us again the website for your foundation in case anybody wants to check that out. Yeah, it's called Third and Goal Foundation, and you can just Google search 3andg.com, uh, 3andg.com to find out more information and ways in which you can help. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're all for just kind of helping veterans in whatever way we can. Uh, Operation Home, Operation Education, and Operation Joy are, are kind of our three main pillars. Uh, so, again, thank you guys for having me on. Thank you for giving me a chance to talk about it, too. Brady, have a great day, man. Thank you, guys. And thank you to Brady Quinn for sitting down. Really cool conversation. And, uh, guys, that was, that, was, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Got oh, yeah. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was great. Um, you know, super cool guy. and A beautiful know, man. Really a beautiful man. Well, I was going to let you say that because I didn't want to be the person that said it knowing that you were the one that said it, but yeah, I mean, really just, he knows his football and, uh, enjoy listening to him uh, as he does NFL games and some college games, um, on Saturdays and stuff. So kind of felt bad for him that he has to go to uh, Charlotte and do the Panthers game on Sunday, but it is what yeah. it is. But Hey, at least the plus side is he's going to be in God's country Rocky mountain high. Out in Boulder again for whatever reason because Fox loves Boulder. Yep. Well, you know, you know. Well, listen, we are now turning the page. Duke's got an incredibly uh, important game this Saturday, and you know the way this worked out is we got the news, you know, earlier uh, before the the UConn game that it was going to be the ABC seven thirty game, and so that was going to be good enough. You know, we knew we'd have Herbie and the gang on the call. It was going to be awesome. It was going to be a lot of fun. There was a lot of talk going back and forth about, you know, what would college game day do Saturday morning? There's that video released of Lee Corso saying it doesn't matter what happens today. Let's go to Durham. I want to go to Durham. We've never been. And then was, was it about 930 uh, Saturday night? Um, the news hit that they were coming to Durham for the first time ever. And so, uh, Duke will be, um, it was just announced today, uh, on Monday that this is going to be at the, uh, Duke chapel. As of the time of this recording, we have not yet gotten information on parking. We think that potentially the H lot, which is off of Anderson street, potentially maybe the parking area and they may shuttle fans over to the, to the chapel. We're not sure of that. That is by no means official. No one has even told us that we're just thinking, that will be a natural place. That lot does not open until later on in the day anyway. And so we don't know. Keep uh, keep your eyes open, obviously, to your email if you get Duke emails. If you don't get Duke emails, we'll share on social as soon as we find out what parking is going to look like. But we know this. Game day is from 9 a.m. to 12, and it's going to be in Durham, North Carolina this week, guys. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. 
Um, I was able to go. I don't know if Josh, if you were able to go the other one other time. It was in the area where it was not over uh, Chapel Hill. It was over to see Miami play NC State. Yeah, I did. It was there. It was there at PNC. Um, I can remember everything about that game that afternoon. The fair was going on. Um, it was the night that Devin Hester took the opening kickoff back for a touchdown, and all the air in Carter Finley went, and it was ugly from there on. But, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, really hoping for a good uh, mix of fans to be out there. Um, did see on Twitter, and just for the heck of it, because I saw this on Twitter, I'm def- definitely going to point it out, that um, we don't want to see anybody wearing light blue. You guys aren't playing Saturday in Durham. That's you're right. playing over where you're not even playing Saturday. So go play your croquet or whatever the crap you do. People do over in Chapel Hill, and you wear you let the big boys play football on Saturday night, and you sit back and watch and learn something. Or listen, if you're a Carolina fan and you really want to be a part of the game day experience, come and find us. We'll give you a Section 17 podcast T-shirt to wear, and you can you can stand quietly beside us, clap when we clap, yell when we yell, and that's that's all that's all you can do there. Um, but listen, it's that time, guys. You know what time it is. We hear from you every week. Uh, you guys send us a ton of questions, whether it be on Twitter, on Facebook, sometimes to our email, which is dukefbtalk at gmail.com. Jamie, it's been a busy week, my friend. And uh, let's hit these questions, man. It has. And in honor of Brian, who was on a cruise, I'm going to go through all of them. <laughs> so that would that would be right up his alley. Uh, we're going to start on Facebook. Jeff Hunsucker, does it look like the offensive line will be at full strength? Monk got dinged up, and Pickett has been dealing with some issues as well. I know Josh was at the press conference. Did Coach speak on that at all? Yes. Um, so he said two things about the injuries. First of all, Jalen Coleman was back. Actually, I said that. Uh, but then I asked Coach about the others. Miles Jones was really kept out for precautionary reasons uh, for this game. I feel like had this been – the Notre Dame game, I'm pretty sure Miles would have been playing. But that's why they kept him out. And then Justin Pickett practiced Monday. Uh, so he did practice. And Coach said it's kind of just figuring out if he's going to be ready to go by Saturday. But he is back uh, practicing after that elbow issue. All good news right there. Um, and going on to the game day theme, Matt Memrick on Facebook says, is there any creative game day sign ideas Will there be any shots at UNC, which I'm sure there will be? I mean, if there's not a GTHC sign out there somewhere, I'm going to be there's, upset. There's got to be. There's got to be. Freddie, you had some stuff to say about game day in general, right? Yeah. Uh, just to back up real quick, um, it was, I believe, seven school, Power 5 schools that have never hosted game day. Um, and uh, the Bear, when he used to work for game day last year, I was looking through his tweets and everything. Of course, time things have changed. California, Duke, Illinois, Maryland, Rutgers, Syracuse, Virginia are the seven power five schools that hadn't, co- uh, hadn't hosted game day. Okay. So you can take Duke off that list. It's six schools now. Sorry, UVA. I'm a live in Virginia, but hey, we've got game day and I'm excited. So it's, it's great to, be, to get it off that. Guys, list. I think Freddie is kind of, Freddie and Brian are very similar. They come with these facts, man. You know, like uh, the research, I'm I'm impressed, man. I color me impressed, Freddie. It's a little bit of the teacher in me, and it's a little bit yeah. of looking at schedules and all that, man. But on to your thing about the uh, the game day signs, uh, I think I think they're gonna bring it. Um, we we know the Cameron Crazies, we know the mindset of them. 
we we've seen dirt, dirt sheets in basketball and this is a football game the creative minds of the duke students i'm excited to be there and just see what kind of signs they come up with um for notre dame the research that they do on it and everything i think we're going to see some um epic signs uh, was it is it the washington state flag it might be flying in the background oh it the, will the be game day tradition yeah the game day tradition but um I'm thinking you're going to see some amazing signs at this, and it's going to be an epic um, experience. I, so, I would I would say if you're going to do a, a, a sign, and this is just one, it may be a dumb one, so forgive me, but fake classes are eight miles away. Never dumb to take shots at UNC. I mean, that's what they're there for, right? Right. Yeah. I agree. At least a couple UNC shots. Yeah, yeah. On posters, I, yeah. So shout out to the Devil's Den. So I was talking to Adam Rowe today. They've got a thread. I'm going to read some of them to you um, from their – I don't know if I should do that. from their VIP boards. My bad. But I'm going to read some stuff off their VIP boards. Adam, I'm sorry if, that, if I'm not supposed to do that. Um, one of them that I thought about uh, for kind of a dig at Notre Dame from, from their heartbreaking loss this past week was, FYI, 11 defensive players can play every play. thought that would be interesting since on the last possession – the last play of the last possession, they only had 10 guys. Uh, here are some. I'm going to go through some of these. Uh, Rudy was offsides. Um, of course, O'Reilly Leonard sucks. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame can't count to 11. That's pretty good. Uh, let's see here. Um, Notre Dame independently losing since 1887. Uh, immaculate misconception. Need eleven players on the field, uh, <laughs> which which is kind of hilarious because they almost didn't score with ten players on the field. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Matt, here's a funny one. Not sure that it works with Notre Dame, but it's great. Mac Brown pisses himself. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> uh, another Carolina shot. Where's Tez? That's that's a, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> Let's see here. Oh, man. I, and for what it's worth, if you're listening, there will be someone there looking at your signs. And if they don't like it, they will take it from you. Just FYI. ESPN okay. will do that. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, and only certain people are going to get this because and I can't pronounce the, the last name. But it's Lene Kakua was the 11th defender. Do you all know who that is? That's – uh that's amazing that is incredible so, so anyway yeah that's going that's going to be a good one so uh, I, have, I have to give that actually i can I, I can tell you who did that one and i'm done but that was ben swain on, on that board so oh, that's, that's not the classic that's not surprising yeah that's not yeah. surprising what are our, some any, any of you guys have some other ideas where our guy noah lunsford actually actually said uh on our Facebook is is Rudy offside sign over overdone. So he mentioned that. Not I say to Noah that I am looking forward to seeing his signs. Like because oh, yeah. that's going to be amazing. If if anybody knows Noah, that's going to be mm-hmm. flat out amazing. Sure. Well, you're probably going to see, and we got to work on this. You're probably going to see a big fat Section 17 podcast logo <laughs> sign just, just yes. up there too. You know. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there's going to be, there's going to be some good stuff. Duke, uh, as Freddie mentioned, I mean, listen, the students are known for their creativity. They're going to research, they're going to get some stuff out there. You know, honestly, 
other than them losing on the last play to Ohio State. This season, they've not really given <laughs> they've not really given anything uh, to make fun of. Uh, they've been dominant in all of their performances, and really, I mean, as we mentioned, as we talked about with Brady, they should have won that game. Uh, they should have beaten they outplayed Ohio mm-hmm. State at the end of the day. And so, there's not really much to make fun of on this year's team. So you got to kind of go back to the past. I think Duke fans will come through. And I usually don't do this, but there was a question on Twitter or X. Um, that was game day related. So I added it to this one at Duke of Cupa adds, what are our top three guest pickers? And I'll, I'll take this one first since I'm already unmuted and talking, but I'm going to go number one. I'm going to go Daniel Jones just because he's in the NFL. He's a, Brian's not yeah, yeah. He's a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I think he's got a Monday night game. We had, yeah. we had talked about earlier. So maybe that's a guy. Um, Steve Spurrier is who I would pick next. And then I would go off the cuff and I would go, I would go to the good doctor, Dr. Ken, Ken John from the mass singer from, from all from Dr. Ken, whatever that show was just a yeah, hangover, just a hilarious, less less than Yeah. Just a hilarious guy. And if they have to go, Basketball related. Don't take my guy. Don't take my guy. Don't take my guy, Jamie. Leave him. Okay, I'm leaving him. I'm leaving him. Speaking of beautiful men, leave him. (laughs) Send it to you, Josh. I know where Jamie was going. We talked about this earlier today, and I can't be taking everybody. He's like Brian. I'll take the offensive line for anyway. Um, Okay, so I actually agree with Jamie on the top two, but I would flip him. I think number one is Steve Spurrier. I, I think it's great. Uh, he is so recognizable. He's already been back to Durham once this year for the Clemson game, kind of to a weird uh, because Clemson fans were booing him because he was a South Carolina coach, and then Duke fans were cheering for him. So it was like a 50-50 split. He could come back this time. He would be 100% embraced by the crowd, I believe. Steve Furrier won. Daniel Jones, two for the same reasons. Monday night game. Who knows? Um, you know, they fly him in and fly him back out, so it wouldn't shouldn't take too long for, for DJ do that but my third and i am anti-basketball on this i do not want to see basketball i listen y'all gonna disagree with me i get it i don't want to see coach k up there coach k don't give a crap about duke football i don't want to see i don't want to see john shire up there and he, he gives a little bit of a crap about duke football here's who i do want to see up there i want to see the man number four the shooter the podcaster the nba analyst the dad the husband, the former NBA great. That's right, Mr. Jonathan Clay Reddick. J.J. Reddick is the only answer if we're going to go basketball. Okay. Um, I I think I, I, I'm going to go out on, on my heel here. I'm on the soapbox. I think I went and stepped out here Saturday night with this whole anti-basketball stuff. And I just want to make sure it's nothing personal. This is football. It's football. Hey, listen, Scott, full disclosure, I was at the presser today and was talking to Nina King in the hallway, told her straight to her face. She was like, what do you think about the guest picker and all this stuff? I said, just keep basketball away from it. And she started laughing. So I have no idea what that means, but that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, now, see, I'm an old school guy because I'm much older than everybody else in this group. So I was thinking really old. I was thinking Ben Bennett. Um now, granted, I understand the word guest picker celebrity is not these guys. So, obviously, ESPN know these people and know who half of these people are. Um, but I'm I'm with 
ball coach. I think he would be perfect. I'm sure his grandson would love to see him again. Uh, I'm with Dr. Ken. I'm okay with that because he's a, he's a funny dude. I would like to see, and this is just a, because he has local ties and everything like that. I would like to see them ask Stanley Monk to do it because Jacob's on the team. Now they will, they know. Um, I have two other write-ins, the hard hat guys and three section 17 guys that are here that are not on the boat. But those last two get folks are—they're not going to read the right in there. They're going to mark through that and throw those away. I'm going to add my three in here, and I may uh, be a little controversial right here. And you guys know I cover Duke basketball, right? Bring, um, bring it on, Freddie. We're ready, man. We're I'm, I'm going to bring it. Hey, hey, and you're not going to—you're not going to hurt my feelings. I don't have bad <laughs> hair days or anything, so I, I, I can take it. Number one, it's got to be Coach K. And I'm going to tell you why here after I go through my other ones. Number two, uh, Dr. Ken. Uh, Ken would be great. Uh, game day, the, the guest picker, it's not always football related. It's all. It's sometime, y'all help me out. Hadn't it been country music singers? I'm not. Oh, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you've had Matthew yeah. McConaughey. You've had. Yeah, McConaughey. Yeah, yeah. You know, you had, yeah, you've had country guys. Who, Scott knows better. Well, I'd say if you want to pick three Duke fans, that are not that are celebrities. Wait, or you gotta let Freddie finish, man. Well, I was okay. I'm sorry, Freddie. He's our guest, Scott. Good. But, but yeah, that's yeah. So, so rude, Scott. Ken. We talked about this before we went on air. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so Ken at number two, Doctor Ken, because I mean, the Hangover, the movie, the personality, he would bring it. Him and Pat McAfee, them two on 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 the stage together, epic. It would be great. I have a three A and a three B. I have a tie here, and it's going to go with a couple of y'all's. Uh, Jay Billups. Uh, if ESPN is going to keep it with their crew, uh, y'all correct me. Is JJ still with the NBA and all that? I'm pretty sure. Is that right? Yeah, I think he's technically with ESPN, but it's NBA only. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I so mean, he's still with sense. ESPN. Yep. So I, I got three A, three B. J Billis and JJ Riddick. Uh, Jay Billis just giving his uh, smart comments and things like that, or JJ Riddick, you know, bringing you know the all time score. You know, JJ grew up a few miles from me. That would be awesome. Now, here's why it's number one, it needs to be Coach K. Um, celebrity, yes. Uh, biggest impact on Duke. Yeah, yeah, he's built a Duke basketball empire, but we're, we're not talking about that right now. Has he had a positive impact on Duke? Yes. And he has had a positive, in my opinion, impact on Duke football. Um, as a basketball guy, just real quick, I've covered uh, – I've been to every count, – it's Countdown to Craziness is their midnight event. I've been to every one since it started in 2009 up until the last one. In 2008, it was called the Blue and White Game. Uh, Coach Cutcliffe's first year. Uh, what, what did they do for the Midnight Madness? They invited Coach Cutcliffe and the players to do the Blue Devil Walk at one of the breaks in the Blue versus White scrimmage. And the players in Cutcliffe came across the Cameron Indoor Court and they shook hands with uh, the players, the uh, assistant coaches at the time, and Coach K. So I saw that Coach K was trying to help Cutcliffe, a new guy in, on the scene. Bring them in on Duke basketball. Everybody knows Duke basketball, you know, the Midnight Madness, count the CTC, and he brought them in, and he did that for Duke football. Cutcliffe, you know, he, he brought us the bowl games. He did all that. And um, so I, I can see Coach K being the pick because of, you know, just his connections with what he did with Cutcliffe. Even though he's retired now, you want that. I think college game day goes for the heat, goes for the pick goes for the celebrity, and I can't think of anybody else bigger than that. 
I heard one kind of off the radar that I hadn't heard, but he was at the Clemson game and somebody mentioned, why not Derek Lively? And I was like, you know, he's, he was really into the football game. His cousin plays for the football team. And like Freddie says, we've been seeing some positive interactions with the basketball team and the football team. I've been noticing the basketball uh, players at the, at the blue double walk and high five the football players. And it's just, it's been nice to see the, the positive interactions that, you know, they have on probably a daily basis. Let me throw three more names out there just for not – no, and this is just – that's not me picking, but these are people who play other sports. Um, one would be – and now baseball's in session, so these first two guys will not be there. Mike Trout is a big Duke fan. Uh, Bryce Harper is a big Duke fan. One other guy that just retired, and his number is getting ready to be retired, I do believe, for the Orioles. Adam Jones. That's a big name. Mm-hmm. And then one other local guy that didn't play football here in college. I got it. Todd, Todd, Todd Gurley. He's Todd a Gurley? big Duke. That That's would be my perfect. Guy. Todd Gurley I'm, would be the perfect guy to bring. He's a North Carolina kid. Yep. I mean, will they? Who knows? But he's not playing football. So that's a perfect opportunity for ESPN to stay in the same lane. Yeah, so Scott, I actually like that, and he was my fourth guy. I mean, I think he actually lives locally, too. I believe he's got a place over in Wake County somewhere. Uh, Tiger is a huge fan. He comes to several Duke basketball games. He's at every big one. Uh, so, yeah, I think that could be cool, too. So, it, anyway, that's a long time for that one question. We were waiting on that, though. We, had, we, we, were, we were geared up for that one. So, hey, listen, at the end of the day, it's completely cool. Whoever they pick, it's going to be fun. And I'm looking forward to it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because you know why game day's in Durham. That's all. So, so one more game day related question, Tyler Lester. This is going to be a long time joke forever. Now says he's assuming we will be in B5 early. He wants to make sure me and Scott are, are taken care of, you know, that I'm not falling over random flagpoles laying in the ground. And Scott's not, not falling over at the uh, Scott Miller Memorial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> medical room. In, in all seriousness, I'm going to say this half joking, half serious. Um, for all you artists out there, if you would like to make a Scott Medlin Memorial sign and bring it to the game, <laughs> I will happily have my picture taken outside of the place with it on the wall. Because jo- the videos and stuff we've been sending, my wife didn't believe the story that I told her. And I think this is in, you want inside information. Here you go. She didn't believe the story that I told her for originally that I'd completely passed out from what Josh was saying and all this other stuff. And I told her, no, I didn't completely pass out. It just seemed like I did because I was laying down. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, just trust me. Josh would never lie. And then she's like, oh, God. So, <laughs> and, and then Scott's like, and then I looked up, and there were Brian's middle fingers. And I knew I mean, everything was good. Everything was good. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're going to take care of Jamie. We're going to take care of Scott. <laughs> Freddie, are you going to be there all day Saturday? Do you, do you have plans? What's, yeah, what's your plan? Yes, I, I am going to be there all day. Originally, I was coming later. Um, yeah. I'm bringing my wife to this game. It'll be her first Duke football game um, this season. Yeah. I am bringing a Notre Dame fan, um, but yeah. he's, he's excited. He's I am a friend, too. and you know, and he, he's got to check out the atmosphere. And um, I'm coming down. You know, I live, you know, a couple hours away. I'm still figuring out the logistics and everything, but I will be at game day. I will be in the parking lot hanging out with you guys. I'm excited to finally tailgate. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
I think I'm working the game. I'm going. We'll see where that's at. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, we may have an inside. Let me know. We may have a hookup. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, we're we're going to figure that out. Yeah. Hey, Fred, well, Freddie's wife is one and zero. Yeah, Freddie's wife is one and zero. Yep. So yeah, that's saying. right. Yeah, yeah. So and she's yeah, also she a right. hiker. So you guys are in shape. So maybe you can help us if anything goes wrong. We're looking to Freddie and Freddie's wife. They're going to take care of us, get us where we need to go. So, uh, all right. Give me a Mountain Dew and I'm ready. There you go. <laughs> all right. We're going to move on to some more uh, game game related questions now. Peter Dodge on Facebook. He said he asked himself, is it easier to prep for Sam Hartman in the slow mesh or the pro style offense? And he goes on for some numbers here. After five games in 2023, Sam Hartman has 1,236 yards. 14 touchdowns, zero interceptions, only nine rushing yards. And after five games in 2022, he had 1,442 yards, 16 touchdowns, and two interceptions with 64 rushing yards. Um, so what do you guys think? I mean, I think that that's kind of – they're kind of even stats pretty much. The rushing yards are not not going to really be there anyways because Sam Hartman doesn't – He's not really a threat to run. I would I would say that he uh, he's got a beast back there. He turns around and just hands the ball to him and lets him rush because he's got what five seventy nine I think it is something like that on the season. So yeah, he's and, only he's only averaging seven point seven yards per carry. You I know? mean, you know, only seven measly. But he has more weapons here too. Let's be honest. I think the yeah. Notre Dame weapons and the O line. Sam Hartman's never had an O line like what he's got right now. Yeah. I mean, Coach Elko mentioned it. He was asked this question, a similar question today at Espresso, and he just mentioned that you really can't look at, at what he did at Wake Forest and really compare it to what he's doing right now. I mean, it's just two completely different offenses, different sets of weapons, obviously different coordinators. Everything's different. And so you got to really read him, you know, as as a fresh new quarterback there. So that, that's I, I agree with that. I, don't, I think that mesh is so weird. You can't really look back at it. All right. Joseph Miller on Facebook. What do we think Duke will be ranked if they beat Notre Dame? So once again, folks, we can look ahead because <laughs> we're we're just we're just podcasters fans. Yeah, I, I, that's my favorite. If I can get on a quick fan soapbox here, <laughs> stop telling us to stop looking ahead. We are not on the team. We don't play. We're not doing pregame speeches. You know, we're not coaches. We can look ahead. We can look ahead to the last week of the season if we want to, because that's what we do. So, yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, Freddie, let you go first, man. What do you think if Duke beats Notre Dame? Currently, what, 16 and 17? Is that right? That's where we're sitting in yeah, the polls? Yeah, we're 16 so, in the coaches' poll and 17 in the AP. All right, what do you think, Freddie? We beat Notre Dame at home. Where does Duke wind up? I'm a, I did a deep dive on this question, so stop me if I go too far, man. I think we are ranked number 11. Okay. And here, here, here's, here's my reasoning behind it. I went through the schedule. Um, and if I'm talking too much on this one, let me know. Georgia is going to beat Auburn, 15.5 points. I, I don't think we can crack the top nine. I think Georgia wins. Michigan's 17-point favorite. Texas, 17-point favorite. Ohio State is off. FSU is off, I believe. Penn State, 26-point favorite over Northwestern. I think Washington State beats Arizona. You know, USC beats Colorado. Oregon beats Stanford, 27-point favorite. I'm just going through thinking that the top nine are going to stay solid. Where it could get tricky is – um. Utah at playing Oregon State, and even though Utah's number 10, Oregon State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think the highest we can be ranked is probably number 10 if there's a slip-up right there. But I'm going to stick with number 11, which is actually where Notre Dame is ranked. I think we – I think 
we we get the win. We get a, a great win. Notre Dame plummets, and we go to number eleven. Now, how do we bypass the other teams? Here's my reasoning behind it. Washington State is at sixteen. Um, they're off week. Uh, UNC off week. Oklahoma is playing Iowa State, and they are twenty one point favorite. That's that 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 that's a that's a that's a win. Uh, L. LSU is playing Ole Miss. LSU has a loss. I think if Duke pulls off this and beats Notre Dame, we should not only climb ahead of the teams that are on bye weeks, we should surpass LSU and even Alabama because they have one loss. So in my opinion, I'm, I'm not I'm not the AP or whatever. I think at number 11 is where I'm going to go with. Dang. Okay, Cosine, I got nothing to say. That was beautiful. It was a beautiful monologue. Yeah, I, th- I think we can move on unless Scott's got something. All I was going to say is maybe be a 10, a 10. A 10. Yeah. Oh, I get yeah, a 9.5. Let me say, now, let me say this. I'm going to go number 11, but if we beat Notre Dame by three times, to- if we do what we did to Clemson, then, yeah, we, sh- we should crack the top 10 easily. I'm, I'm going to say even a close win, 3.7 points, uh, number 11. No, I like I like how you put that, Freddie. That was good research. He's taking Brian's spot once again. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Galipo on Facebook. And if I'm not pronouncing that, Michael, right, Michael, please tell me. Like, um, any concerns that our running game was subpar versus U- UConn, only 2.7 yards per carry? Or was it just taking what the D gave Duke? Feels like they need much better than 2.7 a carry to have a shot versus Notre Dame. Uh, is it concerning? I mean, slightly. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning. I mean, even if you know, as Coach Elko said, he knew that their top, their front six and, or seven, basically is the identity of their football team, um, and and they knew that they were going to sell out to the run. Honestly, you still wish that your that that your lanes would open up there, and you get a little bit more yards per carry. Um, and so, is it a little bit concerning? I mean, it's a little bit, but I mean, we're still looking at. Jordan Waters with over six yards of carry in four games. We're looking at Jordan Waters with seven touchdown, seven touchdowns in four games. We're looking at Jacquez Moore. We're looking at Jalen Coleman getting back healthy, got out there. I believe he got three carries um, in the game, and that's not even mentioning you know Peyton Jones. So I, I'm a little bit nervous. I'm more nervous, I guess, on the offensive line side. We've had some you know pre-snap penalties earlier on in the year with that offensive line. Uh, depending on Justin Pickett's status, will we, you know, be at 100% on the line this uh, this Saturday? Those are the questions I have. But yeah, I'm a little bit concerned, and and honestly, we we've got to be able to run the ball uh, somewhat, and and in order to keep them, you know, guessing a little bit. Riley definitely doesn't need to sit back there and just throw the ball the whole game. All right, I didn't. I wasn't too terribly concerned, but I feel like you know, once again, UConn sold out to stop the run. We didn't see many design runs from from Riley, who, which gives us a big portion of our running yards. So I think we're okay, but it's something that we're definitely going to want to see better against Notre Dame or else things could go south. Uh, John Householder on Facebook. How concerned are we, speaking about the lines, actually the offensive line, defensive line, how concerned are we about the lines in this matchup? Watching Notre Dame, it's pretty clear that they're, of course, at a much higher level than anything we've seen this year. And our O-line seems to be having some discipline problems already with some several kind of silly penalties. Um, and yet Notre, Notre Dame's offensive line is full of just big boys. I mean, 
those guys are going to be in the NFL. So what do you guys think? I mean, if you look honestly as a whole, the 22 that they have, period, are probably all going to be NFL players at some point in time. But their O-line and their D-line is very good. It's very big. Um, one of the things the Coach mentioned today in the press conference, though, about our, our O-line was it didn't hold the blocks as long as they could have. So that was some of the reason why they were getting a little bit of that penetration and getting in there and getting to the backfield a little quicker. Um, so that's definitely something we want to see do, do a better job of. Um, defensive line, I mean, like I say, hopefully we'll get to see the five guys harassing the running backs and Sam Hartman. And honestly, this may be a question down the road. I think we're going to see Brandon Johnson see a lot of Sam Hartman on Saturday night in the backfield. Anybody else got anything else? All right. Moving on to Regina Lee representing from Cali. I thought this was a fun, funny question. How does, uh, Marcus Freeman feel about the length of the walk from the visitors locker room to the field. Cause, cause Dabo is still crying, man. That's a great question. Regina. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, I would say this. I mean, Marcus Freeman, uh, is he, he's a sharp dressed man. Right. And my man's got his, his one of the signature things he does. Is he wears those clean white tennis shoes. And so it is a long walk. And guess what? Coach Freeman, it's not on concrete. Like you got, well, I guess you can walk it on concrete, but man, you got to walk through the practice field, bro. You got to get, you got to have those closed, clean white shoes is going to get some mud or some dirt on them, man. I just want to let you know. And it is a long walk. Dabo knows. Let me tell you something. The walk is longer after you get beat 28 to seven than it was at the beginning of the game too. It's even longer. And so we'll see. I'm not talking, I'm not talking smack to, to, to Notre Dame. I'm just saying, if you lose, the walk feels a little bit longer, doesn't it, Freddie? Yeah, I'll add in. I don't. I don't think he's worried about the walk. I think um, with with the way they lost to Ohio State, with that fan base as passionate as they are, he's got a lot on his mind that he might need that walk to just to get ready and everything. So, and I, you best believe Notre Dame is going to bring their A game. So the last thing he's worried about is 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 the walk, unless um, somebody else. <laughs> and let's be honest, Marcus Freeman is a great coach. And it's one of the guys that was on Duke's radar to start with until Notre Dame locked him up really quickly, which was a, a smart move by Notre Dame. Uh, Michael Martino on Facebook. Chances Riley Leonard stays for one more year. I think, I mean, I'm going to go 50 50 just okay. because. I mean, you just don't, you just don't know when you get to the end of the year what the stats look like, what everything looks like. What does it look like next year? What's the quarterback class look like next year? Can he move further up the board next year? It's possible. So uh, what do you guys think? Here, here's my thought process. Uh, I heard this on ACC Network last weekend, last Friday, I think. I met, Maybe two weeks ago. And I may have mentioned this to you guys, or I may have mentioned it on here. Looking at the top 10 as of right now projected in the NFL draft, Raleigh is not in the top 10. So. What does that say to me? That tells me Riley come back one more season. Duke's team, Duke's schedule next year helps his stock go way up. Uh, that's my big thing. And honestly, if you're 15 now, 
with the schedule they'll have, with the incoming class and all this other stuff, he has a chance to move into the top seven or eight or maybe in the top five, depending on what kind of numbers he puts up. Because if he puts up Daniel Jones' numbers, he's going to possibly get Daniel Jones drafting there in the top 10 to 15. So that's my thought process. I've heard other coaches and on the same having that same conversation. Coach Rick said that he thought Riley Leonard comes back one more season. He could be the Steve Young type player. He could be one of the all-time greats in ACC history if he comes back for the next season. I mean, it's, it's, for me, I'd say uh, Al was first like 50-50, but I'm, I'm leaning, you know, 60-40 he comes back. Um, if he comes back one more year, he could climb that top tier into the top 10, you know, with the way he's playing and everything. I, I don't follow a lot of mock drafts and everything, but I saw one where he, like he was in the upper first round, and then I've seen, you know, the other quarterbacks who are in front of him right now. But at the same time, if, you know, we beat Notre Dame, if we keep playing good, let's say that we keep going undefeated. I, I don't know, because sometimes, you know, you get hurt in college, you got to look at that. But I'm, I'm, it's, I'm 60, 40, yeah. even probably 60 plus he's coming back. So those are all good thoughts. Um, I, and I think you guys are all kind of spot on. We're all kind of saying the same thing. Um, I mean, number one, selfishly, obviously we all hope he comes back. I mean, he's such an awesome kid. We get to interact with him with the media some and interviews and like, you want to have another year, uh, you know, with, with him at, at the head of this, you know, this, this offense and, and really this team, number one. But number two, the reality is this. You know, if Duke continues to be successful, it's going to be because Riley Leonard is also being successful. And at the end of the day, if you have a first-round lock, you know, you have a team who says, "Hey, listen, you know, we're at this, we're picking at this, you know, position. If you're there, we're going to take you." It's hard. It's very difficult to say no to that. I will tell you this, and that Riley Leonard's a smart kid. Riley Leonard's got a lot of intelligence. He has figured out a way to compartmentalize that talk and compartmentalize that NFL future that's ahead of him. And he is 100% not focused on it. He's 100% focused on what's going on now. When we mentioned it to him just briefly in passing, when we had our uh, Durham Devils Club conversation with him, it was like, he was like, I don't even know what you guys are talking about. So like, you know, he has got, he's got a unique way of zoning in. And so, you know, to answer that question, I think you three guys spoke to it, um, but he's not thinking about it until after the season. That's for sure. And if he does leave Jamie, it's going to be heartbroken, <laughs> especially if he goes to the Saints or somebody else in the NFC South. That would be rough. Um, Tanya Martin Horning wanted us to give a plug for some stuff they're doing over at supportdukehealth.org. They're doing a 5K to raise money for colorectal cancer. They're also doing a game day tailgate. So I was going to shout out Tanya, if you're listening, definitely share this on our Facebook account and tag us on Twitter and we'll be glad to help out for a great cause. Uh, moving on, Drew Cheshire he says he's hates. Who will, who will not be at the game this Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> he says he hates looking ahead with so much football left to be played, but what does next year's roster look like? Ooh. And it's it's tough because we're losing some guys that we've, become close to some families we become yep. close to like it's good it's gonna be kind of tough next year i mean if you look at the lineup that cbs sports put on the screen saturday for the offense nine 
no, eight of the 11 are SRs or GRs. Yep. That's now, we do have one more year of some of these guys yes. being able to do, use the COVID year. If they want, I believe there's one more year of that. But, I mean, if you just think about the major contributors on this roster, uh, you've got Jordan Waters, uh, Jalen Coleman, you got uh, Jalen Calhoun, Nikki Dalmalin, Graham Barton, Jacob Monk. I mean, let's just go down the line. Uh, Elliot, uh, transfer, Hornybrook, transfer. Hornybrook may have a, a, an additional year, I believe. He has an additional year. But that's just on the offensive side of the ball. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, and you've got guys like R.J. Oban and Dwayne Carter and Jamie on Franklin and Aeneas Peebles and, you know, uh, Jones, uh, Anthony Nelson and Miles Jones, Al Blades. Yeah, uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a lot of turnover. And so Cam, back Cam to Dillon. Cam Hill, yeah, back to what we spoke about, Dorian Mosey, I think, or he may be a junior. He's a I'm going to need – I'm going to need to sign off here and I got to collect myself. I know, bro. I know. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot. Cole Finney and as, and as Scott or Jamie, you mentioned, you know, it's for us. I mean, and we're not trying to be sound like dumb here, but like we have gotten to know not just these players, but their families. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot of people leaving the program. Um, but once again, it's important what, El- what Coach Elko mentioned today in his presser is the fact that we have been able to get our two deep in these last three games and our three deep in these last three games, some playing time. And so I believe Duke fans are just going to get, get to know some younger guys. And, uh, and so it'll be the, and these guys coming up are going to be the Elko recruits that are going to be coming in that we're going to see. I'm moving on to Twitter uh, at G underscore Robertson. Oh, three, one, six. He asks, what's the best game plan for Estime? run defense has looked spotty at times this year. And at J Bob green, adds how does our defense handle the Notre Dame Russian attack? So that's kind of added those together. Estimate we've already talked about. He's just an absolute beast, averaging 7.7 yards a carry. What do you guys think? What's the best way to go about defending this Notre Dame offensive attack? I mean, I don't – I mean, I don't <laughs> – even if you put a spy or somebody out there, I don't know how well that works. That's that's the thing about these uh, the big, this big old line. When you get these running backs behind there, sometimes it's hard to see. And this guy, as fast as he is, he only needs a half a second to get into the green grass, and that's going to be that, that could be an issue. So, I mean, obviously, like like many people said, Coach Elko knows what he's doing. Tyler Santucci obviously knows what he's doing. That's why Coach Elko brought him in. Uh, we gave him eight months to prepare for Garrett Riley and their offense. We've only given him six days to worry about this offense, but there's still some kind of wrinkle in there. And again, I said it a minute ago, I do think we're going to see a lot of Brandon Johnson blitzing like he did last year towards the end, or we'll have somebody blitzing. It may not just be Brandon Johnson, but I do think it'll be Brandon Johnson some, and there'll be other guys coming on the other side to kind of mix it up a little bit so they don't know where he's coming from, who, who whoever's coming from. Yeah, I mean, what do you <laughs> what do you really do in – a situation against Notre Dame, do you – I mean, do you try to stop the run and force Sam Hartman to beat you? I mean, I guess that's – I guess that's the way I would go. But, I mean, I mean Sam Hartman's having an amazing thrown, year. So. Yeah, he's thrown 13 <laughs> touchdowns with no interceptions so far. Yeah, so, like, what do you want to get beat with? Estimate running 7.7 yards a carry, or do you want to – I mean, I'm sure Coach is going to have a game plan, so I'm not even – I'm not even worried about that. So, it's out, it's out, of, my, it's out of my league. That's over my head. Brady Quinn mentioned if you can get to him before he gets his head of steam, yeah. you got to get to him in the backfield before he really gets his head of steam. I, I mean, that's as good as I can I come up with. 
Right. At Drew Chesh, Drew Cheshire coming in hot with another question. Will the Blue Devil be given the green light to suplex the most annoying mascot in all of sports, the Notre Dame Leprechaun? <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, if this happens, if I'm in the press box, I'm, I'm voting out. <laughs> I'm coming down. I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't. I, I may be working. I may not. We won't figure that out here. But if, if, if I, it's not happening, I don't think. But if if there is a WWE move as a guy that grew up watching wrestling in the '80s and '90s when when it was good to me, uh, if that happens, I'm I'm running out down the stairs. I'm I'm out there and I'm celebrating. But I don't think it's gonna happen. <laughs> Here, here's my question and. Lord forbid I even say this out loud. Uh, I'm going to get in trouble. Is the leprechaun taller than the blue devil? <laughs> it depends I, on who's in the blue devil. And that's uh, my question. That's my exact question right there. If it's the same one that was at the walk last week or two weeks ago, we in trouble, boys. That suplex from the pot of, over that pot of gold is going to happen, and we're going to be in trouble. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, Lord. At Fish Fry 02, what does the coaching staff do to keep the guys focused? I guess he's talking about with all the external stuff this week with College Game Day coming and every, uh, Pat McAfee doing his what is his show there as well on Friday. Yes, yeah, a lot of craziness going on. I mean, Coach Elko in today's presser, he's made this statement. You can't isolate. In 2023, you can't isolate your players from it. So you have to educate them, right? And so he's like, can't isolate them. I think he even said we can't lock them in a closet or anything like that. You know, so like they're going to be exposed to all of it. You have to educate these young men on on maturity, on staying focused on the task at hand. And here's the thing. I mean, like if if I can promise you this, being around Mike Elko as much as we have, if Mike Elko were on this podcast right now and heard that question, he would say, how many more times do we have to be focused on big games? for us to keep getting that question. And I think it is different. I think Duke fans have like PTSD from the, from the pre Elko era. Right. And we are, we are used to Duke not showing up and we're used to Duke getting sidetracked and we're used to Duke getting all hyped up for a game and then wet in the bed on national TV. Right. But it's different. And so I'm not sure what's going on, but Jamie's about to start laughing. And uh, anyway, it hadn't happened yet. <laughs> There's nothing in the private chat. So I have no idea. An hour and two minutes in tonight. Yep. Jamie, what's up? I don't know. Wet the bed struck me. Like, See? <laughs> it's, just, it's just that PTSD. I started laughing because of wet the bed because it was it was a thing, right? I mean, it was, oh, man. It was a night game. It was we were going to get beat by 30. Like, yes. that, that's just that was happening. My, but my now, favorite, my favorite section seventeen podcast story is the year that we played Miami uh, on a Friday night. I believe it was. Yes, the Duke it was, a was like five, night. And, five and one, and we're like, we're gonna go in the tower. We spent the money, we got tower seats. We were pumped for that game, and I'm telling you, with 12 minutes to go in the first quarter, the game was over. Like it was a, it was a route from the beginning, man. That was that was our that was our, our one tower about- experience. The worst part about it was we were the only four people up there cheering, and they kept looking at us like we were Nimrods. Like, <laughs> what are you guys doing? Why are you cheering? Yeah, that was actually that, that was that was hilarious. The one time we decided to, to splurge and spend money, and but then I, we got I, our butt kicked. I would say this though, you know, it as a Duke fan, it is tough 
to look at this and not think ahead or anything like that. But we're three, four weeks down the road from where now this is the other biggest game in our history. So the players, they don't know. They've never been in this position. And like Coach Elko is not going to let them get to the mindset and stuff like that. But as a fan base, we've never been here either. And like Josh just said, we do get a little PTSD. But I think it's something, as a fan base, we need to embrace. This is what Duke football in the Elko era has become. This is what Duke football is what's going to go down the road here in 24 and 25 and 26 and further on. So this is something as fans, we need to enjoy the fact this is happening. This is a big opportunity for the school, for the football program. Let's go out there. Let's fill the stands. You know, we've been talking about that over and over and over again. Let's fill the stands, wear our blue, and be louder than whoever the opponent is and their fan base when they show up in our stadium. All right. Moving on. At L.A. Dodgers all day. With the amount of long ball tosses we attempted yesterday from the kickoff, the game plan seemed to be focused on passing and not enforcing the run game as much as we had been intentionally. Was that in prep for Notre Dame, expecting to need to air it out more, as y'all previously discussed? And at Big Popper RV, adds a follow-up from his previous week's question about not taking long shots. Why do you think Riley struggles to throw long passes? His short and intermediate passes are elite. I mean, I don't know that he, he struggles. I mean, there's a little touch, maybe. Um, I mean, listen, we sat through three years of Daniel Jones. Um, you know, I mean, I, his his long ball touch was was difficult. Um, I think that number one, Elko said they planned on throwing the ball uh, this week because they knew that UConn was going to sell out to the run. So at the end of the day, they planned on that. Um, I think Riley's deep ball is fine. I believe this past week. As Scott mentioned earlier, they were looking at his hand during the game. There was some blood, looked like from his pinky finger. And so, the, I mean, that's on your throwing hand. That's going to impact. And he stayed in the game and continued to throw the ball. But he was throwing that sidearm a little bit uh, throughout the game. So I'm not concerned at all. I mean, who says that we have to throw the deep bomb in order to win football games? Like, we haven't had to throw it so far, and we're 4-0. So... We don't have to throw it. And honestly, a spoiler alert here, we're playing another elite defense similar to Clemson. We're probably not going to throw the deep ball against Notre Dame this week. We're probably going to stay under control. The short intermediate passes, the run game, misdirection, that's probably what you're going to see. You're probably not going to see a ton of shots over the top. Just is what it is. I would say two things. One, the sidearm was something different, but the angle he had to come from, some of the defenders coming in, he had to dip it under the arm. Second, they mentioned, I heard this today on something, that uh, one of the things that Duke used to their advantage against Clemson was the backside of the backfield, dumping the ball off to them and trying to get them on the edge. So that may be something we see uh, more, Jaquez Moore or whoever, uh, Waters, Coleman, catching dump passes and trying to stretch it out. All right, last question. At Dangerous Dave underscore four, do we think Notre Dame comes in demoralized after what happened to them yesterday or pissed off? How does the result for Notre Dame, if at all, change the way we prepare for them? 
Well, I don't think it changes the way we prepare for them. But if you're going to ask me to choose between demoralized and pissed off, they're going to be pissed off. I mean, they, they do not believe they should have lost that game. Um, you know, they, they outplayed Ohio State. They shut down Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, you know, they held McCord under wraps until that very last drive. Like, at the end of the day, they're, they're ticked, man. And I, you know, I I think we said this. I think it was on, on air with Brady. Um, I would much rather have 5-0 and o, flying high Notre Dame coming in here a little big-headed than 4-1. and one. We just got beat on the last second play OSU. You know what I'm saying? Like, anyway, that's my I, I agree. Yeah, I, I'm going to go to the same. They're coming in pissed off. I mean – if the game last week, one play goes different, everybody's talking about, you know, Notre Dame this week and Ohio State is dropping down the ranking. So Notre Dame is coming in totally prepared, uh, ready, pissed off, and um, Duke Duke will be ready for that. Coach Elko will have them ready for that. I would say either way, we're going to get their best shot. Whether they're pissed off, mad, angry, it doesn't matter. They're coming down here. Uh, they may be tired of hearing about, the upstarts, the great season that Duke has. I don't know what the media is in Chicago talking about stuff. I'm sure they're not, but there we go. So I think that's – they're going to be focused. They're going to be ready to play. Duke has to be focused, and we'll see what happens. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for all your questions. Uh, we try to get to every one of them that we can and still keep it in a reasonable time slot. Uh, a really big game. We have a couple of things we wanted to let you know about uh, before we head to this week in Duke football history. Um, the first thing is this, uh, we will be doing our first ever live recording, uh, first ever in-person live recording is going to be on Monday, October the 2nd. That is this coming Monday after the Notre Dame game. Listen, the worst case scenario for this Duke uh, team is that Duke is four and one coming out of the first five games. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to kind of talk about the season up to that point. That is the bye week uh, but we are going to be hosting that. Um, at the Gothic Grill on campus at Duke. It's in the Bryan Center, if you know where the Duke University store is. It's down below the Duke University store uh, in the Bryan Center. Uh, really cool uh, opportunity there. Eric, uh, the manager, has helped set up with us. So it's going to be at 7 p.m. We're going to take your live questions uh, while you're there. There's going to be a free nacho bar for everybody who's there for the podcast. We're just going to have a great time. So if you're local, well, number one, if we if we know you, obviously we want you to come. Uh, if we've never met you and you're local and you listen to this, Duke students, if you listen, I know many of you are listening to this and starting to listen to our podcast, we want you to come out and hang out with us. We'd love to meet you, and we're just going to have a good time there. So that's the first thing, live recording. Second thing, our inboxes have been flooded with ticket requests. Like, can I get a ticket? Do you know anybody that's got tickets? You know, I'm trying to land a ticket. Listen, the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast is your hookup. And here's how an anonymous donor has given us four free, F-R-E-E, free tickets to give away. We're going to give them away in groups of two. So we're going to give away two group, two sets of two free tickets to this Saturday's game. You'll be on the home side. Uh, I believe you'll be with the, the blue seat backs. You got good seats. Um, and so we're going to do this giveaway. You say, Josh, how are we, how are we supposed to win? How are we going to win? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. We're going to only thing we're going to ask you to do, do two things. We're going to ask you to like 
subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's number one. Number two, we're going to ask you to comment on the YouTube uh, feed. So this Notre Dame preview episode that you're listening to right now, watching right now, we're going to ask you to go to YouTube. If you're on YouTube right now, comment. Uh, you can just comment anything, something about the about uh, what we said. Uh, you can comment, like, please give me tickets. You can give us a little sob story of why you want the tickets and why you deserve the tickets. Uh, at the end of the day, we're going to randomly pick them uh, by a wheel. And here's what we're going to ask, though. If you win, we are going to ask you to shoot us a screenshot that you have subscribed because it's hard for us to track on the back end uh, who is actually subscribed or not. So we're going to ask you to do that. We're going to give you two free tickets, okay? So that is going to start as soon as this podcast hits YouTube, which is going to be sometime early, early Tuesday morning or late, late Monday night. It's when it populates, okay, sometime. So as soon as it starts, you can start commenting and subscribing. And then we're going to stop at Thursday morning. So Thursday morning, we're going to cut it off, and then we'll do a wheel. Uh, we'll put everybody's name on the wheel, and we will pick two winners. So uh, trying to help you guys out, guys. Once again, thank you to and uh, who uh, a donor who wants to stay anonymous for giving us four tickets to give away. Scott. It is that time this week in Duke football history. Scott Medlin. So this week in Duke football history, we're going to go way back. I'm, I'm going to say this is probably before Peter Dodge. So way back. We're going to go back to September 26, 1931. Wallace Wade coaches in his first game as Duke's football coach, playing against the South Carolina Chickens. The Devils would fall to the Gamecocks 7-0. This was only the beginning of Wade's 16-year tenure as he took the Blue Devils to two Rose Bowls, have over 100 wins as Duke's coach, and would later be named to the College Football Hall of Fame in 1955. Duke Athletics renamed the football stadium in Wade's honor in 1967. And that was this week's in Duke football history, brought to you by Bull City Sheet Metal. If you're a contractor and need duct work for your project, give them a call at 919-354-0993 or visit them at bullcitysheetmetal.com. They take any job and grab it by the horns. All right, we want to thank our sponsors for that segment, Bull City Sheet Metal. Thank you, Scott, for doing that every week. I, I look forward to that, uh, just, just hearing some of the history there, especially those of us, you know, that are old and that have been Duke fans for a long time, kind of connects the past with the present. So I appreciate that segment every week. Brian's not here uh, tonight, but he did pre-record. If you know anything about Brian Kennedy, you know that he had pre-recorded his tale of the state. Now, it is not yet sponsored. By the way, if you're interested in sponsoring uh, the Duke Football Talk uh, Section 17 podcast, uh, feel free to reach out. You can email us at dukefbtalk at gmail.com. We'd love to talk to you and let you know how you can, but this segment is not yet sponsored. It is the tale of the tape with one Mr. Brian Kennedy. Brian. Thanks, Josh. Really wish I could be there to uh, chat with Brady Quinn, but you guys are having all the fun. I hope you enjoyed that. And Duke fans, I hope you're looking forward to the game against Notre Dame. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish is the tale of the tape. Last year, Notre Dame went 9-4 and four and went to the Gator Bowl, where they defeated South Carolina 45-38. to 38. Now, I am recording this before Saturday's matchup against Connecticut, so I'm a little early on this. So as of right now, 
Notre Dame is 3-0, and and I do not know the outcome against Ohio State, but I'm sure the guys have already talked about that as they head into this episode. Hey, Coach Marcus Freeman is in his second season with the Fighting Irish and has a 13-5 and coaching record. Before taking over the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Freeman was the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame in 2021, and he's also had an assistant head coaching stints at Cincinnati, Purdue, and Kent State. Now, this is only the eighth matchup all time between Duke and Notre Dame. Notre Dame currently leading the series 5-2. to two. The first ever meeting between the Blue Devils and Fighting Irish took place on October 18, 1958 in South Bend, Indiana, where then number 10 Notre Dame defeated Duke 9-7, to seven, quite the defensive battle. Now, Notre Dame is currently on a two-game winning streak, having defeated Duke 27-13 to 13 in 2020, and 38 to 7 in 2019. The last time the Blue Devils defeated Notre Dame was on September 24th, 2016 in South Bend, where they defeated Notre Dame 38 to 35. And head coach Mike Elko is 0 and 1 all-time against Notre Dame when they lost Wake Forest that is lost 48 to 37 when he was the defensive coordinator. And now it's time for the did you know. Fighting Irish football alumni Alfred Bergman holds a Notre Dame team record that will never be broken. The unique record occurred during a matchup with Loyola, Chicago's football team, on October 28, 1911. Bergman was the team's kick return specialist that year and set the school record for longest kickoff return without a touchdown. Bergman returned a kick 105 yards that day in what would be an 80 to nothing victory for Notre Dame. The only problem was that back in the day, Regulation fields were 110 yards in length. While Bergman did not score on the record-setting play, he went on to become one of Notre Dame's most decorated athletes. Along with this unique record, Bergman would also lay claim to being the only, only athlete in Notre Dame history to earn 11 varsity letters. Bergman would also be the only athlete to earn four letters twice in a single season, or single year, I should say. While most college athletes play one to two sports during their collegiate career, Bergman played football, baseball, basketball, and was the team captain for the track team. Bergman would go on to play one year in the major leagues and would also serve in World War I and would end his service at the rank of captain. While not known by many outside the Notre Dame family, Alfred Bergman certainly left his mark on Notre Dame athletics. And that was the tale of the tape for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Josh? And we want to thank Brian for uh, taking care of that, like he mentioned, um, even away uh, on his vacation. Hope he's enjoying himself. We look forward to having him uh, back. So, uh, well, it's that time, guys. We uh, we have some predictions to talk about for this game. But before we get to the predictions uh, for this game, uh, Scott, I think, helped us out this week on this one. In Brian's stead, uh, we have some winners who successfully predicted. I think we had one on the nose, right, and a couple of them that were close on social media. So, Scott, uh, who won last week? Who's getting a free Section 17 podcast T-shirt? All right, so the closest uh, to the score, obviously, was 41-7 was the final score. The closest on Instagram and Twitter was dukeglobal.zone. 42 to nine. And just for those of you that are wondering that were close, if there's a close, uh, comes down to this, we take the closest to Duke's score into consideration. So if you thought you were closer, 
That's why this other person picked 42 to nine. Then on Facebook, we have Kevin Odom who picked 41 to seven on the nose. So Kevin, you will be getting a shirt. Also do global zone. You'll be getting a shirt, but Kevin, because you got the just right on the nose, we'll be sending you a, uh, section 17 helmet sticker magnet along in the package. Awesome. So congratulations to both of those Duke global zone, um, and Kevin as well. So, uh, we'll send a free t-shirt each week. We'll put this out on Thursday morning. You reply to it. Please reply to that. Um, all of our, all of our eager, uh, followers like to get a step, a jump ahead, and sometimes we actually miss it and we don't remember to go back and check. So make sure you wait. We'll post it on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can respond on, on any of those platforms. Uh, but we do appreciate that. So we're going to talk about our picks. Uh, Scott, don't give your pick yet. But do you have the over-under and all that stuff we were talking about earlier? Do you have that? Then we'll yes. then we actually have Brian's guest picks. We'll do that. So Scott, tell us the over-under real quick and then we'll go to Brian. Um, real fast, one other thing. Uh, we will have shirts available at the tailgate on Saturday after game day. So if you're interested in getting a bleed blue shirt or our newest uh, Section 17 podcast shirt, just come see us and we'll get you taken care of. Now, we will stop doing anything before the Blue Devil Walk. Yep. So once the Blue Devil Walk happens, we will not be back out to the tailgate until the game is over. So just want yep. to take that into consideration. Now back to the important things that we're going to talk about this weekend. So the over under is 52. Um, so it seems like Vegas doesn't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. Currently, as we sit here on Monday night, Notre Dame is a five and a half point favorite. All right. So those are our numbers. Brian's away, but before he left, he gave us our picks. And so Brian, uh, tell us what your, your pick is. Hey guys. So I'm obviously on a boat during this recording. So I don't even know what happened with Notre Dame, Ohio State, what happened with Duke, Connecticut. So I'm just going to go with my gut on this one. Duke has just been playing so well. They've already upset Clemson. They've gotten some good wins so far. Hopefully they're 4-0 uh, heading into the Notre Dame game. Guys, I'm going to call it. I think Duke's going to get another upset win in Wallace Wade. I've got Duke winning 28-24 to in a close one over the Fighting Irish. Now, as far as what they're going to wear, it's primetime, 7.30, ABC. It's going to be a huge game. It's already sold out. Give me the all-blacks with the blue Hellraiser on the helmet. Folks, I'm looking forward to being back next week during our bi-week episode. And as always, go Duke. All right, thank you, Brian. And uh, we'll get to the rest of us now. Um, you know, Freddie, we'll let you go last, man, since you're our guest. You actually can hear ours. And if you want to make adjustments, you know, depending, uh, all this is just for uh, just for back and forth. We don't really get anything for it. But uh, who wants to kick us off first uh, after now that Brian's done? I'll go ahead and go. All right. I'll, just, you know, I'll go ahead and get this over and done with. Um, for uniform, it's, it's Saturday night. It's the, it's the perfect time for the All Blacks, the Hellraiser. Blue Hellraiser there. I think it's a perfect opportunity. It's a big game, national TV, game day. This is just, this is the game for that, in my opinion. Uh, as far as scores concerned, now there's where I, I've been struggling all day. And I'm not joking about being struggling. I'm really not sure what we're going to do here. So I think we're going to go. Let's let's say twenty-eight to twenty-seven. 
the Todd father kicks a field goal at the buzzer and we get to run on the field for the everybody else gets to run for the second time if we win on a field goal at the buzzer Todd I'm coming to the field my big behind is going to come down there and see you <laughs> and hug your neck my friend if you win the game with the buzzer hey man so I, actually I'm sorry I apologize Top leader kicked a 50 yard field goal Saturday and I failed to mention it yeah, you know, what's really worrying me is the two man crushes here are not filling your jobs like you're supposed to. The family's well, going to be very upset with you Saturday, Josh, for not. That's no, all good. I've been, I've been cra- congratulating Todd. We have been we've been messaging and, and yes. Todd Grandpa. knows that I respect that 50 yard field goal. Grandpa's sure. very going to be very upset with you. Just so for the record. That's right. Jamie, what you got? Yeah, I agree with Scott on the uniforms right on. So all black, blue Hellraiser. I think it's, like Scott said, the perfect time to do it. Saturday night, college game days in town. Uh, Kirk Herb Street calling a game. We got to impress Kirk, right? I mean, we have to. Uh, as far as the score goes, in the pre- in the in my preseason predictions, I predicted Duke to lose to Notre Dame. Tonight, I'm not going to predict Duke to lose to Notre Dame. <laughs> I'm going to continue to predict Duke to win until they prove me wrong. Uh, I'm going to go Duke. 31, Notre Dame, 28. On also a Todd Polino field goal. So Todd <laughs> Polino's getting all the shout outs now. Man, hey, I, I'm glad we could bring attention uh, to, to, to that. Um, well, I, so that I don't basically mimic Jamie, uh, I literally had 31 27. I'm going to stick with that because that's what I had written down 31 27. Blue Devils. I also picked Duke at the beginning of the year to lose this game. But listen, I'll eat crow the rest of the season. I don't care. Uh, as Jamie mentioned, I'm going to pick them until they prove me otherwise. And so 31-27 Duke, my uniform combo, just to be different. I agree with the blackout. Black, black, black. And I'm going to go with the iron blue D. The blue D. So we won't go Hellraiser, but we will go black. Uh, big Big iron blue D. So, Freddie, if you do pick an iron, if you pick a D on the helmet, you have to let us know if it's small, medium, or large. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Got it. Uh, I'm going all blackout Hellraisers. Uh, when else are we going to do it? Yes, there's some bigger games coming up. It's prime time. It's college game day. What other bigger occasion than to bring out the Hellraisers in all black? My preseason predictions, I had Duke losing this game. I had Duke losing to Clemson. How did that work out for me? Um, college game day is going to be there. It's Saturday night. It's prime time. We got Lee Corsay. We got Pat McAfee. Wallace Wade is sold out. Yes, there's going to be Notre Dame fans, but there's going to be tons of Duke fans. I am going Duke 27, Notre Dame 24. The field will be rushed again, and this time – Freddie will be down on the field instead of taking a video of everybody doing it, which was a cool video. I will be down there celebrating. So Duke 27.4. I am still going to take a video of everybody celebrating it. I'm not I'm not running on the field. <laughs> <laughs> I will promise you this. My strategy this time will be different. And I already know what I'm going to do because I do have media pass for this game. And uh, I, I got in the fray during the Clemson one. And I will be on the field. But I figured out a way to not get trampled. And so that's I have a strategy. 
Oh, for the record, uh, Noah, I did ask about your shoes. <laughs> there was not a lost and found for the shoes, just so you know. So somebody either picked up your kicks or something happened with them. But I did ask uh, somebody like this past home game about that, and she said that they did not have a lost and found for a pair of tennis shoes. I love it. I can't wait for Noah. You got to come hang out in Section 17, by the way. Uh, we, we'll try to get Noah over there with us. I'm not sure where his seats are, but we'll pull him over there. We have a good time. Uh, all of our all of our friends that come hang out with us over there. Um, if you do have extra tickets, like, and for some reason you don't have anybody to get a, get rid of them for you, let us know. We'll try to help you. We can connect you with some buyers for sure. Um, we want to remind you of our live recording um, next Monday night at the Gothic Grill in the Bryan Center underneath the Duke University store. Seven o'clock. Be there. We're going to have a great time hanging out with Duke fans and celebrating. Listen, like we said, worst case scenario, we're celebrating four and one in the first five games. And so be there. It's our bi-week episode at the Gothic Grill, uh, Monday, October the 2nd. Our giveaway for the tickets begins immediately when you're when you're listening slash watching this. You must go to our YouTube page, subscribe to YouTube. You must then comment under this Notre Dame preview episode. Uh, maybe some reason why you should win or just put, I, we don't care what you say, just make a comment under there. And then we're going to pick two winners to receive two tickets for free. Um, each want to remind you to follow us on social media. We've added uh, some new gear to our store and we're going to be adding a brand new shirt uh, coming out. Shout out to one of our listeners, JD, who's been hooking us up with some of this stuff. We're going to be adding another new shirt that you can pick up at the store. It'll, it may even be out by the time you listen to this. It'll be available. Uh, but we want to recommend that you go to dukefootballtalk.com. Check out the shop. Check out the articles, all those types of things. Uh, on social media, we are on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at DukeFBTalk. And then on Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook group. You can just search Duke Football Talk. Um, let's see. Uh, on YouTube, uh, you can find us as well, as I mentioned. And so I uh, appreciate all the YouTube uh, comments. Those that watch on YouTube, it's pretty incredible. Uh, guys, am I missing anything? I've tried to close up shop appropriately here. Uh, once we want to thank again, Freddie, uh, for coming on, man. Thank you so much. Remember, follow him. You can follow him either there at Skilo22 or at Duke Report. Freddie, thanks, man, for coming on tonight. Hey, guys, I had a blast. This was awesome. I uh, appreciate you guys having me, having me on. I hope Brian's enjoying his uh, vacation. I'll say real quick, me and him do do the uh, bowl projections. Mine's not changed this week. Um, I hadn't talked to him, but uh, if we put one together, we'll do it. But mine's still the Pop-Tarts Bowl. I've seen the Holiday Bowl mentioned by other uh, media. I've seen um, I've seen the Gator Bowl mentioned, and I've seen um, the uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl. For me right now, it's Pop-Tarts with the win over UConn. Win or lose this week, it could change. But, I mean, everything's looking great for Duke. Like you said, if we even if we lose the game four and one, right now is great but hey let's get this win and thank you guys for having me on hey if y'all if everybody listening to this has gotten this far let's have a little fun here for the comments just because i want to poke fun at brian while we can uh since freddie's here let's say that let's vote whether we want to replace brian with freddie or just keep brian and all the comments. Brian's the man. Brian's the man. I think this yes. would be fun. This would this be a great, be great thing for him to come home to and see that whether he's been replaced or whether we're going to keep him or not. You know, yeah. Freddie. Freddie actually, other than uh, you know the tell of the tape, has brought a whole lot of knowledge tonight that we wouldn't have regularly gotten. So, just saying, 
And it's my way to poke fun at him because he pokes fun at me all the time. So there we go. I have the microphone. Yeah, I love I it. Yeah, so, so, so in the comments, put like, Freddie should replace Brian. Or for the couple of you out there, you could put Brian should stay. Like whatever you think. We know the overwhelming majority would say Freddie should replace Brian. And uh, and then and we'll, and we'll see. And by the way, I do say I, all this full well knowing I'm going to be out of town in a couple of weeks, and I'm I, I know I'm going to get the same type of treatment. So it's all good. Hey, hey, Brian's a man. He's going to stay. Brian Brian is a man. And <laughs> hey, if y'all don't want me back, it, it won't hurt my feelings. Like I said, I don't have many bad hair days, and so <laughs> nothing gets to me too too much, you know. So, uh, but uh, Brian's a man, and I just hope he's having a good. Look, vacation for, right now for what, for what it's worth this is why i've not missed an episode yet because i'm afraid if i do miss this episode someone will replace me and can probably read the stuff better than i can so there we go <laughs> well no listen thank you so much for listening and watching uh this episode duke will take on notre dame this saturday we hope that to see you there at wallace wade stadium if you're there at the stadium we sit in the top row of section 17 we love to meet you come say hello if you don't have a place to sit come sit with us and hang out we have a great time uh, but until next time, uh, for Jamie Holt, for Scott Medlin, for our special guest, Freddie Hodges, and for producer Justin Sykes, this is Josh Cox, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Now turn the music up.